0: phone check one two what is this you're now listening to a brand new episode of the play big faster podcast Look what you started talk to him. attorney high performance coach and speaker Cherie prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick from starting a business marketing strategies and the ins and outs of their industries we talk everything from book recommendations lifestyle hacks and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business the play big faster podcast starts now let's go
1: welcome to another episode of the play big faster podcast we are joined today by brian george brian is the founder of the charitable planning network and also the founder of the planning network partners hey brian how you doing
2: good how are you
1: i am doing awesome i have been anxiously anticipating our talk today So if you can maybe jump right in and tell us exactly what these two organizations do and how they can help entrepreneurs, specifically attorneys, CPAs and wealth advisors.
2: So thanks for the opportunity. I've I've also been looking forward to this since we talked. So the the charitable planning network started from a a random thought I had that I, I. I'm a pretty good storyteller. And I have a compelling story to tell, but the people that this story was most targeted for, which are high net worth, high net worth, and ultra high net worth individuals, I didn't know very many of them, and they didn't know me. So how how do I tell this very impactful story if they don't know I exist? So what I decided was, if I can't get to know them, I can get in front of their trusted advisors, their their estate planning attorneys. CPAs or wealth advisors, and share some of these nuanced strategies. And if if, if they got it and understood the strategies and understood they work, then we could dig a little deeper in the specific situation. And 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 I knew that would work because even when I started out in financial services, I learned that I didn't know everything, but I, I didn't need to if I partnered up with other, you know, with CPAs and with attorneys, then I just needed to know who to call to get the problem solved for my client. So that charitable planning network, obviously the word charities, the first word. So I, uh, very charitably minded, like working with organizations and individuals doing charitable planning. Um, planning part should be obvious in the network. Uh, Indicates that we are a network of specialists, that instead of working in a silo, we're all working together to bring the best possible solution to the client, because the the CPA has information about the client that the attorney and the wealth advisor do not. But those are helpful. If you have a complex situation, you want to bring everybody in, so you're not missing it. And then by the time you come up with a solution to present that client, it's bulletproof. So that was the, the goal behind Charitable Planning Network. Uh, Planning Network Partners is a registered investment advisory firm in the state of Washington. Although we are in a number of other states, <clears throat> it it kind of came about because people were asking me um, do do I have to be charitable to work with your organization? And I said, no, as, as far as asset management. And other advisors that I had been talking to about coming on board were saying, do I have to be charitable to, to work with your organization? And I said, no, you don't. It, it's nice if you are, because everybody wins, uh, but it's not a requirement. So I decided then to just separate the advisory firm To uh, ease some of the confusion. I I even had a client say, are the the fees you're charging me going to some charity that I don't like? And I said, no, it has nothing to do with it. I just split the advisory firm from Charitable Planning Network and came up with Planning Network Partners. And that was the genesis of both organizations.
1: So let's start with Charitable Planning Network, since that was the first organization that you founded. Um, I see that you basically work in three main categories, charitable planning, cash flow planning and tax deferral planning. Could you just kind of share with me the difference and what services you provide within those scopes?
2: Okay, so um, obviously I'll start with charitable planning And, and I will comment that the other two, the other two focuses came as a result of the charitable planning and the charitable planning started oh man probably six seven years ago i was talking to a colleague in north carolina and he and i started training together and we were just catching up and uh he was talking about his church he he also belonged to a very old southern baptist church and uh, he said that they they were struggling because they wanted to start some youth programs, but they couldn't afford it because they would have to hire two part-time staffers, and they, they didn't have the money to do that. Uh, so I said, "Your church is a little older than mine, so we probably have um, a lot of you know older people." He said, "Yeah." I said, "How many of them do you think have uh, IRAs?" Where they have to take the required minimum distribution, but they don't need the money. They take it because they're compelled to by the IRS. He said, "I don't know, but probably some." Why? So I told him if, if they, instead of taking the distribution, and then giving the money to the church, if they gave the distribution directly to the church, they would still get credit for the donation. The, the church would still get the same amount of money. However, they wouldn't pay any income taxes on the withdrawal because it never went to them. It went to a nonprofit. So it actually saved them some money, and the church still got the same amount. So, so he, he brought that to the pastor and, and some of the other elders of the church, and, uh, and they presented it. And turns out that the first year, they wound up with a little over $80,000 in donations, from 12 people like I said these are people who, who took the money out every year didn't need it um, they usually gave it away but now they were able to make much more of an impact and the, the church was able to to hire those two part-time staffers because those people decided they would continue doing it every year it's just another way um, to, to give more to the church and Last year, the number was over ninety thousand. They were getting, and it was more than, it was more than twelve. I think it was, might have been up to seventeen or eighteen by then. And this
1: was, and this was money that they would not have had, but for this strategy that you put together for them, correct?
2: Yeah, I just, I just passed the info on. He took it and ran with it. Um, like I said, every, and, in, in those situations, everybody wins. The organization wins. The person doing the giving wins because obviously the church was something close to their heart and they were able to be helpful so, so then i started looking at other charitable strategies and um there's, there's probably more than we can go into during this time we could probably spend a month going through them all now. So let me know when you have a month with <laughs> look nothing i definitely to do. will and-
1: <laughs> you're always welcome here
2: thank you so as I started looking at more charitable strategies, um, I got into the tax deferral because the, the more money I could save people on their income taxes and their capital gains taxes, the more they can give away, you know, to their favorite organization. Uh, last year, I have a, a client, her tax bill was approximately $420,000. Use the strategy. Got it down to one hundred ninety-five thousand dollars, and it it cost her some money to to get it reduced that much. But she still netted over a hundred thousand dollars at at the end. And then she wrote two checks: one to her church and one to her favorite charity. Once again, for me, that's a win.
1: Definitely.
2: You know, the only person I could think would be upset at that would be the IRS, and I don't know anyone who cares about them that way. So so that led to more tax deferral strategies uh, because the, the government set it up that the more you give the charity, the less you have to send to the IRS. Those are your options. You don't necessarily get to keep your money, but if you give more to charity, the IRS will take less. It's been in the tax code for generations, and it and it's still there for that reason. So. And then the cash flow planning, which most people equate with budget planning, it's it's nothing like that. So well, let's say that you um have a partner, and you guys started a law practice. 10 years ago and you were did phenomenally well and now your your practice is estimated to be worth 10 million dollars you're okay with that i am
1: definitely okay with that
2: okay so you were also smart and you set up a buy sell agreement that said um if something happens to your partner Then you have to write a check to your partner's family for half the value of the business. But currently, you'd have to write a check for five million dollars. Or do you want? Do you you want to go high? You want? You want the firm to be worth twenty million? Well,
1: you know, I think that maybe fifty million is comfortable. So let's start with (laughs) fifty.
2: Okay, fifty million. So now you got to write a check for twenty-five million to the to your your surviving family of your partner. So the reason you've grown so much is because you've reinvested in the business. So you don't have twenty five million just sitting around to write a check for The cheapest way to do that is to have a life insurance policy that will pay the business that twenty five million so you can then write a check to the heirs and then they go their way and you go your way. And you haven't had to borrow money and pay interest, you know, to pay to pay them off haven't had to sell part of the business to come up with the cash to pay them off. Cheapest way is to buy life insurance because it's about 40 to 50 cents on the dollar. Because every sword has two edges, the problem is that a policy that big, death benefit that big, is is very likely going to cost over a million dollars a year for at least 10 years. And I don't know anyone who wants to pay that. So there's a thing called premium financing um, where you can actually borrow money from banks to pay that premium. And then so, so instead of a million dollars out of pocket, <clears throat> maybe you're paying 300 K out of pocket for 10 years and the rest is covered by the bank. So, so your out of pocket is just the interest on the loan. The, the way it works is the bank are happy to loan you that money because they know that they're going to get paid either from the cash value that builds up in the policy or they're going to get paid from the death benefit. They get paid first. so so they know they're never going to get stuff. And now you've solved your problem where you, you, you funded your uh, buy sell agreement, which probably makes your CPA happy. Because they've been trying to get you to fund it for years and you keep telling them you you don't want to divert that much cash flow. And if it's done by the business, the interest you're paying on the loan and the fees for the loan are all the tax deductible business interest. Or business deduction, I'm sorry. So that's so that's when we say cash flow planning. We help you come up with the cash flow to be able to afford these large life insurance policies for things like buy-sell agreement. If you have a key person that you know if they leave, they will uh, destroy your company right. just based on the experience walking out the door. So so you can get a key person insurance policy, which uh more commonly known as golden handcuffs. And then the, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, the golden parachute, would be that they have this huge amount of cash value that becomes theirs. But they have to stay a certain amount of time. You you have to stay seven years or 10 years or you get nothing, right? those those are the golden handcuffs. Uh, Sometimes people want to do it because they have uh, to equalize their estate. We work with a family where husband and wife, four kids, and only three of them worked in the family business. The other one wanted nothing. So, they wanted to give that fourth one an equal amount. So they decided to get a life insurance policy that would estimate be what they, you know, the business would be worth in ten years. And some people just want to use it to pay off estate of taxes because the IRS they want their money, and and they don't take assets; they only take cash.
1: Now, Brian, that that's that's just such a bad word, the IRS.
2: you don't you don't love the ira Mm,
1: not so not so fun but that's a whole another podcast episode we're not (laughs) but definitely i definitely love the strategy
2: so so those are the three things we focus on and i've i've actually just scratched the surface on on what you can do
1: so, and those are the other three things for the Charitable Planning Network. So, you mentioned that the Planning Network, that Planning Network Partners, they are a registered investment advisory firm. For those of us who are not financially savvy, what is the main difference in the services that you provide um, through the planning, through planning Network Partners?
2: So, I manage assets. People give me their money, I, I help it to grow or help it to not drop too much just like any other investment firm uh we do that and most of the business comes from the marketing we do through charitable planning network because we so i'll give you a good example i i met a a gentleman he uh was looking for someone to give his 401k to he was getting ready to retire. He had about five million dollars in his 401k. He was interviewing people. And I, I I was one of the finalists to interview him. And <clears throat> I said, okay, what 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 really concerns you? And the biggest thing was when something happens to me, I want to make sure my wife is taken care of. Me. That was his number one thing. And he repeatedly told me that there was nothing more important. Okay, got that. You have a life insurance problem. He said, Yes, I do. So okay. Um is that what's the death benefit? About half a million dollars. Okay. So so that was enough to pay off the mortgage and and leave her a tidy sum. So how long have you had it? He said, I've had about twenty years. And I said, You should let me review it, take a look at it. he said, Why? Said, well, Technology has reduced the cost of insurance, and state um, insurance commissioners have dictated that since you're making more money, you need to pass some of the savings on to the client. So they had to they had to pass the cost the, the reduced cost of insurance on to the clients. Told them you could potentially get the same death benefit you get now by paying a lot less, or you could potentially increase your death benefit keep in the same place he says okay so and, and then he said well I also need long-term care because both my grandparents live to be in their 90s and so there's some longevity I need long-term care okay so he gave me his policy I was able to get it reviewed and a couple of weeks later I called him up I said wait okay, I got the answers for you the death benefit for the new policy if you decide to do it is seven hundred and thirty 000, as opposed to five hundred thousand, there's a, a chronic illness rider in it that you can use for uh, long-term care. It starts off at ten thousand eight hundred dollars a month. He was happy about that, and and with the potential to increase um, over the years, depending on what was going on in the economy. And so the best news. Is that the cash value that was in your old policy pays off your new policy, so you'll never again have to make an uh a premium payment Nice. he's paying about he's paying about seven thousand a year, so so you'll never have to make another premium payment to get your long term care, your death benefit has gone up by over two hundred thousand dollars and uh what do you think so <laughs> This first question is, is all this legal? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's yes, it's legal. I told you. Technology has made things cheaper. You get the benefit from that. Um and then he said, let's he said, he said, okay, I got two questions for you. How soon can we meet and start the process to move my policy from the old one to the new one? And as soon as that's in motion, how soon can we meet and I can just give you my 401k? So I I I set up appointments for whenever he was available. As soon as he was available, so 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 by using some of those strategies, I I pick up new clientele.
1: Nice. So, but Brian, even with the wealth of knowledge you have in this area, um, tell us about your journey because before actually doing this, I believe that you were in the Navy. Prior to then, right? I was. Okay. Well, tell, was. Us, tell us about how you got here. We want to know about the journey.
2: You want me to start at conception, or not well, quite that far back? We're,
1: we're going to go a little bit past the birds and bees, and <laughs> we're going we're going to take it to early adulthood. How about that? You know, when did you know? Okay. This was the track that you wanted to be on.
2: Uh, you know, I didn't. I uh I was eighteen years old, grew up in New York City, and. Uh, I was I was trying to get work, and I was told you uh, you can't work here. You have no experience. And then it was, how can I get experience when no one to hire me? Well, that's not my problem, kid. Come back when you have some experience. <clears throat> so my grandfather and my uncles and my older cousins—they were all merchant seamen. I so thought I'll check that out. By the 1976, the uh, Merchant Marine Academy in New York shut down they weren't taking anybody new in because they had laid off a bunch of people uh, and they were waiting to bring their people back on before they brought any new people in which makes perfect sense and then i thought hey the navy they have ships too i'll just join the navy So i joined the navy um spent 20 years while i was in the navy i taught myself to th- i taught myself how to program computers and then i also taught myself um how to budget and then invest and and first part was because I was told you're going to be the Navy relief counselor on board the ship which is basically teaching young knucklehead sailors how to um not get in trouble financially, how to make budgets and stick with them and all that. So and I uh I didn't want to do the job. And I was told I had two choices. You can do it and like it or do it and not like it. So okay i guess i guess i'll be doing it but that's kind of when i got into finances more like I said doing budgeting and then you know now that you have saved up some money you should be investing some of it so then got into you know mutual funds and, and then stocks and bonds and then other things so it it, had, it kind of became a hobby that i was doing even even after i got out of the navy um, i also like i said taught myself how to program computers So I wound up getting a job as a computer geek when I retired after 20 years. And I did that for a few years, started my own consulting firm, until one day I woke up and I said, I hate my job. And my next thought was, oh, man, that's not good because I own the company. So now what do I do? So I happened to be talking to my neighbor about, you know, you never guess what happened. I hate my job now. And, and it wasn't the job. It was the people that, that I was working with. Most My biggest customers were the Navy and uh, a, a large multinational firm. And you may find it hard to believe, but working for the government drove me crazy.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: So at the time, he worked for Edward Jones. And this was late 2007. He said, "Well, you know, you know about this stuff because you, you know, you've, you've dabbled in it for years, and and you also know the back end because you built financial systems for the Navy. So you should check us out." So by March of, I'm sorry, by May of 2008, I joined Edward Jones, and that's how I got into the financial services. And then, and I was the typical. You know, gather assets, manage assets, advisor, like how most people start out. But I, I, oh, I read a lot. I always want to know what's going on. And I think, um, you should always be keeping abreast of what's new in the marketplace and also keeping abreast of what's new as far as regulations and legislation go, because all those things affect what you can do for your clients. And, uh, and my core values the second one is to always be doing what's best for your client um so that means keeping myself educated about what's going on um and i i, I kind of outgrew edward jones because they have a very specific niche they want to stay in and they're really good in that. but i'd say i want to do this and they say well we don't do that here. Okay. here. And from there, I went to J.P. Morgan Chase for a couple of years. And then I went to Wells Fargo for four and a half years. Kind of had the same problem. I was, I kind of outgrew them too. I went to an independent um, firm, World Equity Group, for two years. And then I decided that I needed to jump off a cliff and start my own. And then I met you. and Here we are.
1: Well, Brian, listen, I am so excited that you've shared with us just some of the strategies that you use um, for Charitable Planning Network and Planning Network partners. We are so excited um, that, you know, that there are services like this that are out there and available. So if people need to find you, how can they find you?
2: Well, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Under Charitable Planning Network, um, you can go to either website, or they're pretty easy. So it's www.charitableplanningnetwork.com or www.planningnetwork. I'm sorry, <laughs> planning network
1: Well, listen, thank you for your time. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast.
0: Do you want to start your own business? Confused about where to begin? Not sure if you can do this? I'm glad you made your way here. Cut through the confusion. I invite you to join in on the five-day Play Big Faster challenge. You'll get step-by-step guidance on how to start and scale your dream business faster. Five days perfectly structured build the business you've always dreamed of without spending tons of money and hiring consultants or a lot of staff. Join the challenge today at www.playbigfaster.com. Listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. It's already subscribed? I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.